A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Daddy Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of AEW Rampage Grand Slam. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubai, Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review AW Rampage Grand Slam, and they finally cracked it. All they need to do is have a two-hour bonkers bloody show every week, and Rampage is good again. Absolutely. I know you're taking the piss, but there's a kernel of truth to that. I thought this was so savvy. The entire Grand Slam presentation is that all the prestige stuff, the, the major world title match, the, the tag team title match, all of the serious business that is likely to draw numbers, even though it didn't get the best one. But in theory, save that for Wednesday. On Friday, just do an incredibly mad, chaotic, <laughs> exhilarating, and just utterly fun show. And I just thought they split that brilliantly because, yes, the prestige stuff and the main event stakes are going to get the viewership. I don't think he even entertained the idea of splitting some of that across Rampage as well, with the idea being, look, he's just not going to get the numbers for it. So why not make sure those few who do watch Rampage on the Friday have an absolutely sensational time watching it? And that I did. Got a comparison for you. I'm not sure if you're going to go for it or not, but I'm going to go with it anyway. It felt like, I'm not saying, because I think sometimes people argue this is the best meal of all meals, but in terms of being up there for good quality... I thought Dynamite Grand Slam was like Christmas dinner. Yes. You've got like, oh, God, great, I've got all this, you know, whether whether you have turkey or bloody tofu, it doesn't really matter. Stewed red cabbage. Nice. Like is that. an absolute necessity on Christmas for The me. only way I can eat Brussels sprouts, because I don't like them, is if they're cooked in like bacon bits and stuff. And you're like, oh, there you go. Bacon bits, put like a little X in the middle so that oh, it's all infused. Exactly. A good Brussels sprout is not boiled. But um, Rampage is the meal that night where you're like, not, I'm not saying the leftovers quite as to slag off people who are resting on this show, but like, you're like, oh, boy, I'm not sure I can, 
do much more than oh great that's a little a little bit of pork yeah, pie yeah, yeah. A bit of, oh some cheese and pineapple on sticks stuff you forgot about oh brilliant I forgot about this and we got this bit left over and I'll put this in a chocolate carpet. coins yeah, exactly like that and I was, I was watching this going okay cool what have we got left oh bloody oh we've got this as well haven't we so it was just yeah I had loads of fun uh I, I made, there's certainly one thing that I had a huge baby watching that I definitely shouldn't have, but we'll get to that in due course. Mm-hmm. It was a bloody mess. And you can probably guess which match I'm referring to when I say that. But we'll get to that in due course because we have to start at the beginning of the show with the no DQ match between the House of Blegg uh, and Darby Allen and Sting. And uh, we were thinking, as we said beforehand, like, oh, let them have the entrances. We like the entrances. And they got the cheat code because you got the entrance of the House of Black and all the Ooh, spooky. Uh, and then just Darby Allen and Sting just walked up behind and went, no messing, and it's not even just going to be like a, I'm going to hold you, punch you, and we're slowly going to walk towards the ring. Sting's got bloody uh, Julia Hart on his back whilst he's fighting um, Buddy Matthews and uh, Brody King. Regardless of what happens to the House of Black, Brody King's going to be fine because he's just ridiculous. He's the best. He's the best. He press slams Allen into the ring. Uh, Sting eventually has to take on both members two on one uh, and, and does it. Uh, hits Matthews with a stinger splash, then gets out of the way of King, who charges into Matthews. But then they finally get Sting. They set him up for a superplex. But Darby Allen's recovered, and he comes in and hits an avalanche code red on Brody King for a nice near fall. Uh, Darby Allen goes for his high speed dive through the ropes, and Buddy Matthews checks notes, kills him uh, with a knee, which oh means yeah, that deserves the oh my god. Oh my god! I was watching this, you know, double speed. And I was like, well, I have to rewind that because I have to because that sounded brutal even on just a like that, just a quick one. And so ridiculous that. So Sting's gotta fight both of them, because as I said, Darby Allen's dead. Um and uh he knocks Matthews off the apron. They're fighting on the apron and on the turnbuckle. He knocks him and there's tables that's been set up on the outside. And you think, Sting, mate, what are you doing? <laughs> All right. And Brody King charges at Sting, pushes him off the top, and he falls and not oh my God. in like a fearful way because he clatters through one table and his head just yeah. hits the other one. And I was like, you're all right. And he seemed to be all right. It's dangerous and that, but what? A, how old is he? 63. Jesus. Like my dad's, like my dad's a older than that. But even when he was back when he was 63, I wouldn't be like, yeah, I'm sure you'll be all right with that, Dad. I'll yeah. be like, no, 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 wrap you up in cotton wool and just yeah, keep stay at home. Um, so yeah, he bursts through the tables and then they break out the handcuffs like you needed it, and they handcuff Sting, and they take us to a break and they just murdering Sting. Darby Allen's not recovered yet, uh, and then when we come back, Darby Allen does recover and he brawls uh, all the way up the ramp while Sting's just there <laughs> handcuffed in the ring. They go to hit the Dante's Inferno. It's like to the left of the entrance bit where the commentary bit is. But Darby Allen counters, climbs up the lighting structure. Shout out to Adam Blair who got us to predict this. We didn't quite call this. Climbs up the lighting structure on the entrance bit and coffin drops onto Buddy Matthews from like 10, 12 feet in the air. Ridiculous. Goes to sort of do the same to King who catches him and does that. I'm going to choke you the life out of you with your legs are dangling off the stage thing and Darby Allen's only way of counting this was to send them both off the stage through a table and just bust his head wide yeah. open they cut I think it was midway through the, the sting getting killed bit in the ring he cut back to Darby Allen I was like well he's not making a save because his head is pissing blood so 
Julia Hart takes Buddy Matthews, who's recovered from the coffin drop now, down to the ring like, his Sting's bat, use it against him. And he walks down to the ring, and Sting's laughing. I thought, oh, great, he's got blood coming out of his forehead. And he sets him down, and he puts him in the chair, and he handcuffs him to the chair, or handcuffs him around the chair. Sets him up. There's a bit of a, go on then, just hit him. He takes the bat back. The lights go down. And then this... The thing appears, this um, Tron appears, and because I thought, oh, Miro's going to be here now. Didn't quite see who yeah. <laughs> who was going to make the save here. What? The Grey Mooter makes the save, walks down to the ring. Like, to a certain extent, I'm like, okay, yeah, why is Buddy Matthews just standing there? Kill him. But at the same time, I'd be like, what the hell are you doing yeah, here? Yeah. And he makes his way down to the ring. There's a stare down... Huge pep, obviously. There's a stare down between Mooter and Sting. They've got a bit of history, in case you didn't know. Uh, and then he turns around as Mooter, takes out Matthews with a dragon screw leg whip, miss him. He stumbles back into Julia Hart, who takes an even worse bump than Sting and Darby Allen have taken in this match. She meant to fall backwards through a table. What actually happens is her arse breaks a little corner out of the table and I think she even missed the mats to a certain extent. Yeah, she was lucky that it was as bad as it was, if that makes sense. She lands back first on the floor. In the midst of all this, Sting's broken out of the handcuffs because he's great. Drops Matthew, Scorpion death drop, one, two, three. And there's a lovely moment uh, with uh, Mooter and Sting shaking hands and embracing at the end of this match. Ridiculous. This is ridiculous, and I'm going to struggle to critique it because virtually every single word I can summon, I can then throw at this match as a critique. It was absolute insanity. It was stupid, but also quite clever, which I'll get to. It was dangerous, but also completely thrilling. Um, and it was just so much fun, but also a little bit fraught with too much danger. Like <laughs> yep. I just couldn't make my mind up after the fact. But the actual experience of watching it was just great. What I love about this is that they just treat Sting and know how to lay his matches out. And the guy's a genius. And it's so great. They get you with a big bump every single time and make it matter because Sting's just a genius at this. You're meant... Wrestling's all in timing. You're meant to really catch people off guard with something. Like the Akata dropkick is the perfect example. They did this really sort of fun, sort of like comedy-adjacent sequence where Brody King is just running into Sting, Sting just gets out the way, and he just flattens Buddy Matthews by mistake. These are all worn, classic American comedy TV spots to the point where, all right, okay, well, he can't obviously go that much because he's just working brilliantly, I might add, around the fact that he can't really take much mm -hmm. punishment in a really sort of witty way. And then he just takes a table bump, <laughs> and that takes you out of nowhere. And it sort of allows the match to take on this like kind of scarier tone. Darby Allen does Darby Allen things. Um, look, if Buddy Matthews going to go, the, the roster's too big. It's probably for the best. It's probably for the best for both him and AEW on the whole. If I don't ever want to ever say, oh, they should get rid of this guy. No, I'd rather people who had their jobs and earned the jobs just kept them and I didn't see them on TV yeah. rather than they get released. But if people actually want to go. That's a completely different thing. Yeah. I will miss the fact that he never had a singles match with Derby because their chemistry was absolutely incredible. Um, the great Muta moment was funny because Buddy Matthews kind of had to stand there because it takes him ages yeah. and ages to walk these days. This is a guy who popularized the moonsault, has what some might describe as the very best version ever in his prime um, to this day. 
So his knees aren't what they were. They haven't been for some time. So, but he did have to like do the whole shocked face for two full minutes. But because he's a worker, he can move a little bit and he knew exactly when to move. He like sort of dived through the ropes to get in there. And then he just used every bit of energy and pace he's got left to do the dragon screw. So he kind of stopped you thinking about how long it took to get there, which is a bit farcical, but it's when as a performer as legendary as Muta doing it, you give them so much more latitude. So it was ultimately absolutely fine. Uh, I thought Buddy stole the hell out of the mist um, so brilliantly. This is just feel good, feel scared, wildly entertaining, so cool, a bit stupid, but also a little bit of intelligence mm. strewn throughout. And this is just, I don't know what else he could possibly want more from North American TV wrestling. The entire experience was encapsulated in this joy of a match. A combined age of 122 years, Mooter and Sting. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, and then we got uh, Matt Menard, Daddy Magic, and Cool Hand and Angelo Parker of the Jericho Appreciation Society taking on Hook and Action Bronson, who unsurprisingly got a hell of a reaction uh, in uh, in Arthur Ashe. Um, Hook starts out with Parker. Hook took a fair bit of the, probably the most I've seen him have to sell in this match, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. He's not that great at running the ropes yet. Like, mm. um, Anyway, Matt Menard comes in and immediately demands action Bronson, which if you've seen the promo, makes a lot yeah. of sense. And, uh, and you think, all right, here we go. He knows how to shoulder tackle, that's for sure. Just lays it in, takes them both down, uh, crushes them both with an avalanche in the corner after that. Parker comes in and attacks Hook from behind with a kick and they take control. That's how Hook's having to sell for, for, for large parts of this match. Uh, Parker actually got a two count on Hook. Um, Menard also got a near fall. But uh, Parker, as Parker goes for a suplex, Hook counters into his own, gets the hot tag to Action Bronson, who hits a power slam, knocks both men down with uh, shoulder tackles. Hook comes in, suplexes Parker once more, puts the red room on him, and you think, okay, very good, let's take it home, boys. And then Matt Menard rushes in and gets caught by Action Bronson in there in his red room, and they both tap out. I like that touch. I did. What I liked about this match is that they kind of knew exactly what Action Bronson could do, and they said, right, you can do that one thing, and it's really cool. Could you just do that four times? And it's like a weird loop that just never seemed to stop, <laughs> but it got a pop every single time. Um, yeah, he can do literally one thing, or two things, because his Kotakatami wasn't too bad at all. Um, this was fun. It was all about vibe, hardly about match quality. It got the reaction, um, and they identified the one thing you could do and just said, just keep doing that. <laughs> it wasn't built like a traditional hot tag. It was like, well, they want some more out of Bronson. Just do that four times and just do the double finish, and there you go. Um, this was a lot of fun. Um, it's one of those things where after the fact, can't really say too many things about it, good, bad, or otherwise, but in the moment on the night, it's part of the vibe. Mm. This was tremendously fun. Yes, exactly, and uh, you could just see how much action Bronson was enjoying himself when he was rapping down to the ring, let alone when he actually got in there and uh, did some bumps. Uh, then we got another tag match. It was Ward Joe, that's Wardlow and Samoa Joe, taking on uh, Josh Woods and Tony Nice. Uh, Mark Sterling, of course, in their corner. Because the promo before, now he's not going to get powerbombed. Yeah, what an asshole. <laughs> uh, they immediately get in there, do, uh, do Joe and Wardlow and uh, batter him. Um, Wardlow and Woods are fighting the ring. Nice and Joe battle on the floor. Uh, Wardlow close Woods over the top rope and goes to the outside and tweaks his knee. I do hope he's all right because that look, one of those ones, there was that and the Jade one later on. And I was like, 
No, no, no. You yeah, can't yeah, go yeah. down injured. Um, Not another title vacation, Jesus. No, please, God. Uh, so, yeah, Woods stays down with Wardlaw on the outside for the rest of the match, brief match, um, because it's Joe and Tony Nice, and there's only going to be one winner there. Um, I love Joe's... Anytime he's against a high flyer, he goes up and he just walks away. And the they, nope. Yeah, the nope, the nope exactly. Um, so he catches Nice with the Uranagi, muscle buster, one, two, three... Josh Woods flies in immediately after the three's counted to try and attack him. Um, nice gets involved as well, but Wardlow makes the save. And then Sterling, what are you thinking? Tries to club out Wardlow with a title belt. He doesn't move. He turns around, grabs him. Oh, sorry, he tries to grab him. Sterling goes to leave. Joe goes, uh, where do you think you're going? And uh, throws him into Wardlow for a series of movements in the Powerbomb Symphony. This is a lot of fun. Other than I did buy the tweak if, in fact, I was going to buy anything and not just be earnestly worried. And because he was selling there, and they just kind of seemed to just do the finish, I thought they called an audible. Yeah. Or was it just an anticlimactic match layout? Look, he got a really cool nope spot, and he got smart Mark Sterling eating crap. This was just continuing the theme of total fan service. Um, not likely to get more interest in Rampage after the fact because there was no real intrigue, or at least everything intriguing that happened, you know, is going to get more likely to get followed up on Dynamite. But look, it's about time they wrapped up formally and finally this stuff with Wardlow and Smart Mark Sterling. This is a far better conclusion to it than that rubbish Wardlow fights the 20 playing Tiff's deal, which could have been so much better than it was. But regardless, look, this was fun. It's just, it's hard to articulate, like, the quality because it wasn't, it was, it was very shallow in parts, this rampage. But I prefer... Shallow, stupid, dumb, cathartic, feel-good fun <laughs> than really intricate but drab and dry wrestling. There's obviously a happy medium, but you got that on Dynamite. This was the afters, as you call it. Uh, and I've got to apologise for what came next, because I think I was quite... good. Well, I, I was quite dismissive of yeah, yeah, Jungle yeah. Boy and Ray Phoenix, and we were like, yeah, they'll probably do some good stuff, but it's going to be overshadowed by the Luchasaurus thing, Christian Cage thing. And it, it was after the fact, but... This is great. This it's, is great. Because I think, I, it, again, I've never wrestled before in my life, neither Sige, and we're not going to sit here and go, oh, yeah, I think I could do more high-flying stuff, actually. Blah, blah, blah. But we were a bit like, yeah, 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 you're going to do the gravity-defying stuff that you're going to do. And they did do that in here. But they also told a great story and beat this out of yeah. each other. Like Jungle Boy's chest, before the end of the match, was red raw. And, yeah, just in terms of, like, Beating respect out of your opponents. I thought they really did well here. Um, yeah, early on, uh, back and forth stuff. We go to a break, I think, quite early on into this match. When we come back, Jungle Boy hits a lariat and a brain buster. And this match has still got 15 minutes left yeah. in it for a near fall. Jungle Boy gets out of the way of a hook kick, super kick, poison rana from him. Phoenix comes back with a jumping stunner. Both men go down. And there's a battle of strikes. Phoenix wins that, goes for a tiger driver, but... Uh, Jungle Boy counters with a Rana for a near fall. Phoenix tries to reverse direction of the ropes, but just fucking gets drop kicked by uh, Jungle Boy Jack. Jungle as Boy Jack, Perry. As uh, JR kept calling him. They fight on the apron. Perry tries to uh, powerbomb Phoenix to the floor, but Phoenix counters with a kick. Phoenix goes for a dive, but Perry catches him with a super kick to go to another break. Uh, when we come back, uh, and I watched through the picture-in-picture picture here, watch them just... Just go. I know there's no one watching right now, and when we come back, we're just going to do this chop spot again, but we're just going to yeah, just hit each other as hard as we can, as much as we can. Phoenix comes back with kicks after that. 
uh, uh, on, on Jungle Boy. He hits a cutter out of a gory special for a near fall, does Phoenix. Sets up an escalera by going up the ramp. Uh, springboards into the ring, but Perry catches him uh, with a power bomb. Uh, sliding elbow gets him a near fall. Phoenix gets him up for the three amigos, but on the third suplex, Jungle Boy slips out and hits him. Uh, hits Phoenix with a sit-out Death Valley driver for a near fall. Phoenix hit a massive frog splash, um, but he selling the impact of it, so he just can't get there in time, and that gets another two count. Sets up for the Fire Thunder driver, and suddenly Perry rolls through. Small package, one, two, three. Uh, let's talk about that, and then we'll talk about the post-match. Yeah, absolutely. And this is so good that I can't be a pedantic prick, even though I possibly should be, but I couldn't feel like, oh, you know, the trio's champion losing yet again. I don't really have that sort of moaning sort of disposition when I watched this because the story of the match, and it's a really hard one to tell, was of two guys who were put on the same planet to wrestle one another, trying to create this atmosphere and this feeling around the match that it was special, that they were both desperate to win, that they were really hitting each other really hard for a purpose because they couldn't sort of back down. And it's sort of this structure they were genuinely trying to put across this match as something special. You can't just make that happen. Mm. It's so weird, but they actually managed to do it. Look, not all of it was perfect. Um, some of it looked contrived, and I've got a lot of latitude towards this style. Um, some of it did look a little bit contrived. There was like a flying nothing um, next to the barricade <laughs> yeah. on the outside um, as an example of that. And I did feel like they missed the peak by a couple of minutes because I don't think they ever got the heat that they did during the sort of the chest mm. mincing spot. Um, but ultimately, they had a really sort... They set themselves a really hard task. They wanted to make this feel like a true legacy rivalry and a, another chapter of it was being wrestled and fought and they absolutely got the job done. I thought this was great. And then post-match, they shake hands, nice show of respect between the two men and you think... Yeah, more of this, please. Um, and as Jungle Boy celebrates, out comes Christian Cage. He's still got his arm in the sling, of course. Um, and you're thinking, what's going to happen here? They certainly can't get any physical. And it's Luchasaurus sneaking behind Jungle Boy. Uh, he attacks him, lays him out. And uh, Christian cuts a promo on the audience uh, and says, what was the phrase? Sit down, you little bitches, whilst I conduct business. Uh, and that was dedicated to, to anyone. Uh, you could be a male, female, child, girl, fat boy. Fat boy. Any of them. Uh, we're, we're all bitches. And he says, speaking of bitches, Jungle Boy, I squash your ass. Uh, I squash, squash your ass. Squash your ass. Or the other, uh, squash your ass. You'll never outnumber me. You'll never beat me. You may have, you know, taken out my arm by attacking me before our match. Uh, and my right arm might be gone, but I've got my right hand of destruction. Great line. Christian was on great form. He's just better. He's got such an ability to be a complete dick with just his cadence and his ability to emote that he doesn't even need the material to be that harsh. He's just, uh, it's like the embodiment of harsh. It's like an emotion as a, as a driver of these sort of things. So I'm glad that he's not going down the cheap heat route. I think, like, Maxwell's back, so you can't really do that too much anyway. Um, all he needs is to be himself. Yeah. And he works me into thinking that himself is a complete arsehole. <laughs> this is really effective. This is almost too effective because it made me want to see Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy again. I would love it so much if it was just to work. 
and it was outwork everyone, and it was revealed to be, I know the whole time it was just a ruse, and I'm going to work it at full gear or something like that. Uh, but no, it's weird because they are drawing them together so far away from when the match we expect can take place. Like I know they're going to do Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus first, but yeah, it's eight months of this. And look, it's probably going to be very, very, very difficult for them to make it feel as big and as actually happening as they did tonight. But um, yes, it's weird this. I don't know when it's going to happen or that, how they're going to maintain the heat, but this is excellent. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Uh, we get a pre-taped uh, celebration from Chris Jericho. Not the proper one. That comes on Dynamite this week. Uh, Ring of Honor champion Chris Jericho, who kept banging on about it on commentary. I thought he did a great job of any time someone tried yeah. to take a shortcut, he'd be like, God, can you imagine a champion doing that? Tony should probably say something like that. Huh? What are you saying? I'm a champion, Tony. Ring of Honor. Honor. Losing the title. Uh, anyway, he's got a celebration uh, with all the JAS and the champers going everywhere. And I, I don't know who to look at because Hager's on great form in these sort of yeah. things. Uh, Anna, Anna JAS is just necking champers. The uh, the boys, obviously, Daddy Magic, Cool Hand, Ange, draw my attention every time they're on there. They're celebrating him, of course, becoming the Ocho. Ocho! And uh, there's going to be a sam- uh, championship celebration on Dynamite, as I said, next week. Daniel Gossett has got something to say. And he's like, hey, Daniel, shut the up. We're going partying. <laughs> so that's obviously a nice yeah. little tease for, for Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. This is just uh, it's great seeing Jericho on this form. He's so good with a belt, as we know from his run as a champion. So I'm expecting big things from this. Uh, another entry in Adam Wilborn's big book of why would you do that came next. Uh, it was Eddie Kingston versus Sammy Guevara. This fire does not need any more petrol, Sammy. So walking down to the ring after doing that entrance that you do, which is the entrance you do every time, but makes me want to reach through the screen and punch you because you're a git in character, by the way. 
Um, and he walks down to the ring. Kingston's there. Kingston gets a hero's reception because, of course, he does. And Kingston's like, right, I've waited quite some time for this. So his piss is already boiled. And uh, Sammy Guevara, in a brilliant in-character thing, goes, I'm going to call him a fat piece of shit. Yeah. Like, Sammy, mate, you, he's, trust me, don't, you don't need to, oh, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and, of course, Kingston goes for his eyes. It's so good. <laughs> Just to gouge his eyes out, basically. Yeah, they brawl on the floor where, of course, Eddie Kingston naturally dominates out there. Um, sets up Guevara for a pile driver on the apron, but Guevara backdrops him out of it and hits him with a punt. And he's like, okay, right. Uh, well, that was probably a bad idea, but I'm ready now. Um, so he starts taking over, hits Kingston with a suplex in the ring. But then Kingston fires back with a series of back elbows and a clothesline. Uh, but Mello, Tay, is obviously there. She trips him up. Uh, and that distraction allows Guevara to hit Kingston with a knee strike, hits that double jump cutter of his for a near fall, goes for the GTH, but Kingston counters that with elbows and just nails him with a lariat. Puts him in the corner, and a uh, little, little nod to everyone there. Machine gun chops in the corner. Uh, Guevara tries anything to get out of it. In fact, he goes for his double jump cutter again, but doesn't get it. Kingston catches him, back suplexes him. Guevara, desperation time now, hits a super kick. Kingston comes back with a half-and-half half suplex. Spinning back fist from Kingston. He's got the match won then, and he's like, nah, I want to torture this prick. Gets him up for a couple more, and then puts him in the stretch plum for the submission victory. Until he won't let it go, because of course he won't. And you just look in his eyes, and he's a terrifying... He's a lovely man, by all accounts, but he's a terrifying I man I get the that zone, like nobody else. And he's there, and he... Nah, you, know, you know, the moment the bell rings, he's just shaking his head like, this isn't the end for me. And he's just wrenching back on Sammy. And uh, out comes Jerry Lynn to try and reason with him. He won't listen. There's referees, the security, all running down to the ring. And in the end... This is another subject we'll go into in a second, Sage, after I get your thoughts on this match. Uh, in the end, senior referee Paul Turner reverses the decision because, as Tony Schiavone says, Tony Khan has challenged Turner to tighten up the officiating after some controversial calls on Dynamite. And you get Sammy Guevara. His eye rolling back in the head, his... Looney Tunes-esque, what happened? Yeah. And Tay raising his hand in the air and he goes, we won! <laughs> was immaculate. Yeah, that was great. Kingston's performance is great. I do like the idea of prolonging this because there's definitely heat to it um, at the same time as basically this story about tightening up the officiating is basically Tony Khan saying sorry. He could have just like said it himself in a media interview or on social media and then just decided without folding it into the narrative to just be better in terms of your finishes without basically making Paul Turner look like a chump. But <laughs> uh, if it's happening, it's happening. And I'm all in favor of it being less WWE. There's something to be said about the time to be the real alternative again, not just the really good wrestling show with a lot of wrestling's quirks, which AEW was for ages now that it's up against Triple H's, which is, it's unfathomable to me, unfathomable to me, but it's still getting described as a really good logical wrestling show. <laughs> the idea now is, right, okay, if you're going to compete with this version of WWE, with rightly or wrongly, is getting praise as this, like, logical, more wrestling-centric product than ever before, 
then it's time to go really in the weeds of what you promised initially or what you can do anyway um, to differentiate it from WWE and not doing any rubbish finishes. So I think Khan was like, right, they are a narrative convenience. Maybe I can get away with doing some of this because it's not as if people are ever going to think Vince's WWE is better than mine. Mm -hmm. So I can take these shortcuts. I can keep a little bit too many people looking strong and... No, I think it's time to get really down to the, the, the basics of the of his old undiluted vision. And hopefully this is the first step towards that. Um the match itself, elements of it were great. Like the headbutts gouging the eyes, like the tone just Kingston killing him. And then it got a bit wrestling y. When you see Guevara do that springboard cutter deal, it's great, dot 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 in most other contexts, but I don't know, just watching Kingston just Base for it, very obviously. I don't know. It's not the kind of move that he gels with and no, takes yeah, particularly great. And you don't want this, of all programs, to feel contrived. I think, ultimately, the match got a bit more wrestling-y than it should have. But they will do it again, and they'll do some kind of stip that'll hopefully mean it's just carnage and bloodshed and hatred as opposed to a bit of a fight-come-wrestling match that sets up the next one. And I'm glad that they addressed the whole... Referees are crap in AEW. Yeah, thing. no, it's about time. It is about time. As I said, they need to do more at this point because, you know, Triple H might fall on his ass by himself and book incredibly boring TV, which led us to the black and gold era. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, for now, Tony Khan needs to really think deep about how he can differentiate himself from Triple H. And this is hopefully one of many steps to get back um, AEW to where it was. DBS Championship match next. Jade Cargill with the baddies versus Diamante with Trina. And I thought, well, Trina's going to be the difference maker here. It's going to be a title change. Uh, It didn't didn't affect anything, (laughs) unsurprisingly, really. I think you and I both said, yep, it's what, a 28 and 0, I think she is now, or something like that. Uh, Jade Cargill. No, 38. Yeah, something like that. Um, Diamante got a bit in. um, And again, I said, Jade Cargill, one moment I went... Oh, no, 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 you can't be injured. Um, there's a crossbody attempt from Diamante on the floor, but Jade Cargill catches her and sort of F5s her into the ring apron. That was when she started selling her leg, I think it was, but she just fired up anyway, got through it, jaded, one, two, three. And post-match, Trina joins the baddies anyway, uh, slaps Diamante and, and shakes Cargill's hand. Yeah, just it, I find it so uninspiring at this point. I know that... The original plans called for Chris Statlander to win the belt at Jade Cargill's expense on this very show. So maybe it was building towards um, a point where it was like, right, okay, we've done everything we can with this. Let's do the feel-good babyface win and take it all in a different direction. They don't want to rush into a new plan, which is probably fair enough. But in the meantime, you do have to just watch these increasing diminished returns. You'd never want to look at a performer like Jade Cargill, who still pops me with that promo stuff, who, whose power game I still find really, really impressive. But this has very much run its course for mm-hmm. me at this yeah. point. And I got no drama out of this. I got no real entertainment value out of this. Ultimately, I got no out of this. Yeah, it was very, very straightforward by the number stuff. But with Trina, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, what came next was certainly not like by the numbers because it was a bloody mess, but it was That's an enjoyable s- mess. So kind of stupid, but we'll go with it. it was, uh, this is the match, unsurprisingly, that had the spot in it where I guffawed, I think is the best way of putting it. We'll get to it because you may not have noticed it. So Hangman Page comes out for the uh, golden ticket battle royal. The winner of this gets a title shot down the line. 
Uh, and as he's walking down to the ring, he gets jumped by Butcher, Blade, and Roosh, I think it was. And they beat him up and chuck him down to the ring. And then people, loads of people come out and it's carnage. No one's got in the ring yet. They're just sort of all brawling around it. And, it like the uh, reverse Battle Royal at it one did, point. It did. I was like, what's going on here? What are the rules? And I don't know why, but I assumed that the Golden Ticket Battle Royal was going to have like 10 people in it. I think maybe because I saw the graphic with like eight people that were going to be featured in it. And I was like, oh, cool. Maybe 10, maybe 20. Not this many. It was just a room, a ring full of people. It's like the end of a rumble if they just didn't get rid of anyone and then they had to do it in, well, 10 minutes, basically. So that's we go to break with all this brawling around the ring, um, during which uh, they, 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 come, oh, sorry, they come back and then everyone dives into the ring. Why? There's no hurry. Uh, you don't clearly didn't all have to be in there. Paul White's on commentary for some reason, uh, and it kicks off. I'm I'm, I'm going to try and get most of the eliminations, but I may not. Ari Davari was the first one uh, from the, the Trust Busters. Penta gets rid of him. Um, Cole Carter is in there. He uh, he gets uh, he gets cursed and then immediately eliminated. Oh. Hey, unlucky pal. Oh, I was hoping to see more of Starks. He's just flying visit, I think that was. Uh, right, okay. Ah, oh, Starks. I might see you later. Yeah. Maybe on the Raw preview. Maybe you'll make an appearance. I hope so. Uh, so Danhausen's still in there. Goes to curse QT Marshall. Or it does, I should say. Um, again, Jer- I, think it was, I think it was Jericho on commentary. If it wasn't, I do apologize to whoever got this right. He went, oh, he's not going to win it now. Yeah, got me. I don't know why. Uh, so yeah, uh, Marshall gets uh, clotheslined to the outside by uh, Page and Danhausen, and then Danhausen gets eliminated by Butcher and the Blade. Cue the uh, the beginnings of some amazing eliminations. Dante Martin, what happened there? Oh, I have watched this about three times, and it the best way I've seen it described is a video game glitch, where it's like you're meant to do some move, Brian Cage, but it just the sheer might of him just bounces him out anyway. But it was like, you know, normally you put one hand on each bit of the person and chuck them, and he just sort of went, and they went up, and went up and just bounced off Brian Cage and got eliminated. And then the star of the show is there, Don Castle, one of my favourites. I love him. I love the boys that he's with. Cage knocks Don Castle off the apron, but they catch him, carry him round, and chuck him back... Uh, into the, into the ring. The boys are out there um, distracting Brian Cage. And Tolan Castle gets rid of him as a result of that. Not talking to you, love. Um, Lance Archer <laughs> clotheslines Trent Barretta to the floor. Daniel Garcia gets rid of Dalton Castle. Gutted about that. I was really was really hoping for him. Uh, and Lee Moriarty gets rid of Daniel Garcia. Ten is eliminated during the commercial break. Uh, and probably a few Why would you recruit him then into your stable? Matt Hardy eliminates the blade, celebrates with private party. That's still going on. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, remember that? There was a bit where there was Butcher and Blade and private party and Matt Hardy, and all my brain was going, oh, yeah, remember that? That was it. That was my intrigue. And they were like, oh, yeah, and look up at this. The storyline about private party not being able to get it done with Matt Hardy. I don't care. Just don't care, lads. Don't care, don't care lads. Uh, butcher eliminates all three of them. Evil Uno's gone. Pe- uh, Paige gets rid of the Butcher. Uh, Roosh uh, and John Silver fire up, exchange blows in the ring. 
Roosh gets rid of Silver. Uh, Penta sends Lance Archer over the top rope, then knocks him to the floor with a kick. Penta tries to get rid of Jay Lethal, but Satnam Kissing catches him. That was great. And chucks him back into the ring like it's nothing. Um, Lethal then eliminates Penta. I think he hits him with a lethal injection, then sends him over the top rope. And Paige, I think, goes to chuck Lethal out, realizes that Satnam Singh's there, and goes to the other another side of the ring. Paige is a genius, man. I yeah, love him for things spot. like this. And uh, you watch you, man. Sanjay Dutt running around at the last second just to watch Jay Lethal fall was great, which means Paige and Roosh are your last two. Roosh very nearly won. <laughs> I'm not sure what oh happened. Oh, my God. I think this was Paige being great. This was just Paige being great. They, they, I think he tries to run a rush over the ropes and almost goes. His body control is fantastic. I rewind, rewound this quite a few times. It was definitely what he intended to do. It was my fear. Just what he intended. That's what you wanted yeah. me to think. But what he intended to do required such incredible body control and athleticism and timing. So, yeah, then you're like, oh, God. And then they exchange chops on the apron. Roosh goes to pile driver Page, but Page counters, hits Roosh with a dead eye. Roosh collapses to the floor. Hangman Page wins. He wins the golden ticket battle royal. He will face the world champion on, I think, October 18th, I think it was. Uh, a few Dynamite in a few weeks' time. Uh, this was bonkers. <laughs> this was absolutely stupid and fun, but mostly stupid for me. Um, again, in the moment, you have a great time watching... A marvelously tense finishing sequence. Genuinely staggering how much drama they got out of this, especially considering how frivolous and stupid and messy and chaotic <laughs> almost everything that preceded it was. What a work a hangman page is. He made me take the match seriously after all that bollocks. He made me think he was a nanosecond away from getting eliminated. Yeah. And then he made me really happy that he won because he's Hangman Page and he did some really smart babyface stuff throughout, like the Satnam thing, where he avoided that. My God, I'll tell you what my big takeaway was. One, there are so many people contracted this company that I don't care about. <laughs> there are stories that are apparently either still going on or are worthy of, like, callbacks that I just don't care about, which kind of underscores how much time has been wasted on this program over the last two years. The Matt Hardy private party stuff, I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, there's an audience to do a big emotional reunion for a callback to that. Like, <laughs> you're joking. So this is all very weird, very inessential, very frivolous. If I'm going to be the, the pedantic, boring dickhead, I never want to see a title match determined, irrespective of how good the title match is going to be, um, how committed they are to doing big matches on TV more often, which I've said as a complaint for the last year, and this is a big one. I think Paige and Mox, if you can get Paige back to where he was, and Mox just stays where he is, because that's just how great he is, that could sell a pay-per-view for me. Yeah. That could sell a pay-per-view, so it's bonkers for me that they're doing it on free TV. But you know what my other big takeaway from this was? What? Right. Something continues to not add up one iota for me with this Colt Cabana business. Right. It's always been a bit, ah, well, can't put him on ROH, um, AEW, lads. He's in ROH, sorry. It's like, well, Jay Lethal, Samoa Joe, FTR, Claudio, they're all Dalton gunning. Castle. Dalton Castle. That's the thing, that's the thing. But the names before them, oh, right, they're right. all gunning for or holding ROH gold, and they are almost ever-present on your Rampage or AEW Dynamite TV shows. It's one thing to say, all right, okay, well, there's a little bit of delineation. Um, because Dalton Castle, he's worked the Battle of the Belts 
but he's never done a dynamite or a rampage, at least as far as I can recall. And Brian Cage, he's been disappeared as well. Brian Cage was in this match. Why wasn't Cole Cabana? That was so strange to me. Like, unless you are, it's just such an easy win at this point to get Cabana on AEW TV. Like, oh, there was never a problem, guys. Here, here he is. It's not as if he's going to be the world champion of ROH. It's not as if if ROH ever becomes its own entity that he isn't going to be positioned, much like he was on the first, on the buy-ins of the first two ROH pay-per-views that have happened under Tony Khan's stewardship of a guy who wins um, a pre-show match so that he can have a... ROH world title shot as a sentimental favorite on TV, but you wouldn't sell a pay-per-view with him. He's not going to win out of any importance. Mm. Why, throughout all of this, did Tony Khan, bearing in mind once again that Cole Cabana doesn't need to be protected with a win-loss record <laughs> no. in any way, shape, or form, to say, oh, God, these rumors are getting out of control. They're obviously bollocks, right? So to just make sure that people know they're bollocks, uh, right, Takeshita's working this gimmick where he wins on elevation, but he can't get it done in a major TV match. Um, I need someone that Takeshita can beat on elevation. Cole Cabana, you're the perfect, safe pair of hands. Yeah. Can work any style. Uh, it's not doing much of anything in a storyline for which he requires um, the protection of his character. You are literally the most perfect guy imaginable. <laughs> imaginable to eat pins on elevation. Why hasn't he been doing that? Why didn't the second these rumors start to really sort of affect morale, start to creep into the fabric of the TV show with the punk page thing? Why at this point, if Cabana was allowed to wrestle, right, did he just go, quick, put him on elevation, the next card I've got available to me. And it's not as if these things don't go every single week, right? Mm -hmm. He could have done it literally the week after and went, and if I had seen Cole Cabana on elevation, I would have thought, oh, there's obviously this, these rooms are bollocks. Mm. Why didn't he think to do this when he's ordinarily an incredibly thoughtful guy? There was something about Brian Goddamn Cage being in this match and Cole Cabana not being in it. Something's not adding up here at all. You reminded me of the spot I forgot to mention as well. <laughs> so Don Castle gets eliminated. Sad. Uh, having already eliminated Brian Cage via the boys. And one of these poor bastards, one of the boys, gets powerbombed onto the apron by Brian Cage. Don't even show it. Don't even mention yeah, it. No, no. Just saw it in the bottom corner. I was like, oh my God, what was that? And they were like, anyway, uh, John Silver's over here. He's just sat down in the ring. I was like, someone just died out there. What's going on? I thought it was hilarious. I, I rewound it about three times because yeah, yeah. I thought, did I just see that? So, yeah, <laughs> thanks for coming, fella. Thanks for taking that horrible bump that no one will ever remember and it wasn't even mentioned. Right, main event time. Uh, uh, there we, I'm not... Oh, uh, no, I'm going to do this. There we go. Uh, we get the back and forth between the two of them. but It's very serious. Uh, and, you know, Ricky Starks does his best at... Attempting to dismiss what happened to him in what was it four thirty five? I think uh, Powerhouse Hobbs was very keen to put over as a as a fluke, as a, a bit of a. We all kind of know you went for the neck, you prick, yeah. and so that's not really doesn't really count. But they really get into it. They both get really fired up, and then Henry drops the old.
Thanks, Mark. <laughs> it's a lights out match, lights down, lights up. Anything goes, basically. And uh, lights down, except down because a lot of people left. Which madness, is a shame. I would have stuck around this. for this. It was absolutely great. Yeah, this was great fun. Uh, early on, Hobbs catches Starks with a neck breaker. Key, key thing that, yeah. Neck break. Um, starts just getting furniture to chuck into the ring because why not? Um, I'm going to get this ready for a little bit later because I sense we're going to need the button we often hit. Yeah. Certainly one spot I'm going to hit it about three times for. Um, <laughs> I re- you know my feelings about Ricky Starks. They love him a they're lot. They're a bit much sometimes. But even I went <laughs> like that when... Well, what's better than putting your opponent through a table? Putting a table through your opponent? Yeah. Threw it at Ricky Starks at one point. Hit him with a chair. Uh, we go to a break, and he's just Hobbs is just chucking more and more weapons in there. Uh, and he even goes, because I, wa- I wasn't going anywhere for this. I was not skipping through the, the split screen thing. <laughs> hey, Justin Roberts, give me your goddamn belt. Takes that off him, whips him. Starks gets it off him, whips him to do that. Um, Hobbs put, uh, hit him with a sit-out spine buster when we come back. Um, and then he Hobbs is wedging the chairs into the corner. He sends uh, Starks into one, goes to run across the ring and send him into the other, but Starks get him out of it and sends Hobbs into it. Tornado DDT gets uh, a near fall. Starks goes for a chair, but uh, Hobbs hits him with a low blow. The size of you, and you need to use a low blow, you prick. Sets up some chairs. Starks goes, all right, that's everything you can do. Hey, and the bollocks yeah. to uh, Powerhouse Hobbs. That drops him. And Starks is like, no, no, no. If we're going to do the Rochambeau, we're going to do it properly. And does it so it's the chair, the uh, edges of the chairs, the top bits of the chairs are set up. And then Hobbs backdrops Starks onto the chairs. I don't want to do, use it for this, but oh my God, that looks horrible. Yeah. It looks so bad. Um, and then Hobbs power slams Starks onto the pile of steel chairs, and I was like, oh, cool, so Starks has lost then. Nope, throws the shoulder up at the very last second, kicks out. Uh, Starks and Hobbs brawl up the ramp. Hobbs drops Starks, turns round, looks at the tunnel. Oh, my God. Rips out a light fixture, just yanks it off, and even the, even the commentators are like, oh, my God. What is this? It just it terrifying brilliance, this. He follows Starks behind him, just carrying this newly invented weapon, basically. Swings with the light fixture, misses, Starks ducks. Uh, Starks spears Hobbs through the table that's been propped up in the corner, gets the light fixture, clunks uh, powerhouse Hobbs with it. Rochambeau, one, two, three. Ricky Starks wins, lights out. Yeah, this was great. It wasn't as insane. I know the back-to-back chair is one of the things that has to suck the most in all of wrestling. But they built to that spot so well that it didn't need all of these excessive ornate weaponry bits to yes. sort of get it over. This felt a lot more intense. It felt a lot more intimate of a war. And I love the use of the belt. Like, they literally grabbed whatever was closest to them, even if it wasn't a conveniently placed weapon. Or the likes, oh, yeah, just get that under the ring. Like they really tried hard and cr- to to craft something that felt organic, just in an actual fight unfolding as fights do. Um, so that was great. Ricky Starks was just on great form. Hobbs was on great form. My favorite bit of this match was when they were walking up the ramp. I preferred it to even the bit where he got the light fixture because the amount of detail they applied to just a transitional 
spot to get to the next big set piece of the match, they made it feel like it felt everything to them, where Starks just, not just, I'll get beat up, I'll get beat up, I'll get beat up, and I'll sell, 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 and then you do this. He was still fighting when he was getting advanced up the stage by this absolute colossus of a man. Monster, he yeah. He just went up and he just... Try your uppercut him. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that. When the he big wild swing. Big wild swing. Like, he's just desperate lunging just to get at him, just to stay in the fight. And by staying in a fight, it made you feel like it was a fight. And then in another brilliant bit of character work from Hobbs himself, he just ate it. It's <laughs> absolutely ate it. That was fantastic. Um, ultimately, this is a great end to a story that I think it missed its potential, but there was so much thought that went into this match. It was so organic, and it still gave you that spot where it was like, this is worthy of the lights-out stipulation. Um, tremendous stuff all around, um, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, a fantastic end to this show. More of these sorts of rampages, please. Maybe not two hours every Maybe week. not two hours, please, no, but a bit of stupid chaos to make it interesting. If you're not going to make it the prestigious show, make it the far more interesting yeah. show. Exactly. Uh, let us know your thoughts on a Rampage Grand Slam on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Uh, follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, the SmackDown Review is available right now. And me, Sidg, and Hamlet will be back later on this afternoon to look ahead to Monday Night But for now, this has been the AW Rampage Grand Slam Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.